are listening to Noise Extra. I am here, that being Mike. You are here, that being Tara. Hello. And you are all here, that being our listeners. It is just the two of us today. And it's been a bit of an adventure day. So we had a scheduling snafu, leaving the two of us to get an episode together. And we were deciding what to do. We're digging around, thinking of things, tossing them out. And a lot of the way we schedule how we do these things, partly with interviews, it's access and mm-hmm. and, and the access popping up. And the other way is deciding the flow, right? Yes. Not trying to do a million of one thing in a row spacing these things out is the phrase I'm looking for. Tara. We're looking for variety, making, making it tasty, getting um, some balance in terms of what we're discussing on a weekly basis. Exactly. Much better at voicing that than I. So looking around our place, we decided let's go across the street. Looking around our place and coming up empty handed going, I don't, I don't really know what we're going to, I know we're going to do something. It's like, there's too many options. Then we just start getting zany and throwing things that are like off the walls, like talk about deciding things. And so, you know, Mike, you had this, this great idea. We're like, you know, you're like, I need to get out of here. I need to, I need to walk. I need uh, some distance from the space. I need to clear my head. Uh, So we, we did what is very easy here, and that is walk across the street. That's right. Uh, to a great bookstore called Counterpoint to look for some ideas. Yeah. So, books and records all used at Counterpoint across the street. Fantastic. Been here forever. Love just walking over there, wandering around. Which and- was probably more productive than the other idea, which was go to one of the many bars and, and think about it or go eat ice cream over it. Exactly. Which, which were the other options. Certainly would not have. Not productive. Produce what we are about to we'll talk about. Something. So we felt let's go to the counterpoint and let's see if something hits us. Mm-hmm. Even just an idea, not even necessarily thinking yeah. they might they would even have an album, just maybe an idea or we see a book and that sparks an idea. Mm-hmm. Oh, remember that album's based on this book, yeah. et cetera. Well, we did find a record and we found a record of a project that obviously is incredibly important in industrial, in noise, in abstract sound, but quite honestly, a project that Tara and myself aren't incredibly familiar with. From everything that we've heard, really appreciate it. Really like it. It's just, you know, sometimes there are other things that take hold in your binge listening and it's just not a group that did for us. It it happens in this world of noise where for whatever reason, some people latch onto some bands, some people latch onto other bands. And while you know that this is a classic band, you just never went fully deep in the discography. Or it's even geographical, like, you know, where we lived, it was just really easy to get TG, you know, like it just depends on where you are, what labels are near you, what the random weirdo at the record store decided to stock that day or what your creepy buddy decided to hand you and say, (laughs) you know what? I think you like this. You look like me. 100%. So we felt that Kismet was in the air and this 10 inch was calling this 10 inch being Zoviet France. Gris 10 inch or gris or Tara, how would you pronounce it? Well, you know, I was saying gris like French gray, but then apparently the word for gray in German is also gris. Right. So I've, I've been saying gris. And 
I saw it, looked through the very small collection of 10 inches, and it was like, whoa, this yeah. is meant to be. We are meant to dig into Soviet mm-hmm. France. We, Tara and I are meant to finally dig deep into this legendary project. Exactly. And here is your entry point. And got to say, everybody loved this entry point. This 10 inch is great. We were we put it on right when we got home and we were just like, this yeah, is awesome. Really, really good. And so we did pull up an interview from 1991 that will relay some information from Tara, of course, researched the titles on this 10 inch. Now there's four, four tracks. This is, there's three editions of this 10 inch. You wouldn't necessarily think the third edition of a release would be a special packaging, but it would is. not I, think that all, all of the releases of this, of this title are specially packaged. Mm. There's an edition that was for subscribers, an edition of 50. Then there was an edition that came out at the same time. Both of those came, these came out in 1985 that was packaged in roof tiles. This 1993 edition is also packaged well, in and, roof and tiles. You know, it's in gritty roof tiles that definitely got all over me and the couch. But, you know, uh, I thought it was great, but it does make it really confusing when you're trying to figure out what you have, what you're doing. Which version? So, yeah, this are. is the 1993 version, which which there was 1,500 of this version. There's there's 50 of the subscriber version, 500 of the first version. So th- those are in 85. And then 93, this is an edition of 1,500. Uh, no Man's Land uh, out of Germany. And, I mean, think about that. That means they screen printed... 3,000 tiles. They went Roof for tiles it. at least on this edition alone because it's 1,500. Yeah, or screen printed or stamped because it looks like it's painted and the star is stamped well, possibly. Well, did something. No, I'm saying that's great. And Whatever I'm saying they that's... did, it's still 3,000 tiles. Well, this, this, I was not, my comment was <laughs> not to challenge I, you, Tara. I hadn't I, really I think examined felt, it. Well, then I felt like maybe I should examine I it was not just to let everyone know. Attempting to challenge you. This is, it seems to be a splattered paint with a star stamp is what it seems to be to me. But I think it's such an interesting thing to reissue a mm, 10 inch. That's some sort of stencil perhaps. That might be a stencil. Hey, you know what? it's their symbol and it's got the dot and the S. Oh, there you go. See, now when you unfold it, yeah, see, look. that's what I'm saying. You know what we need? Okay, and I said 3,000. It's not two. It's one folded tile, which I had not fully unfurled but it's big see look it's long we needed to have we needed to go it's through 20 this together. inches long clearly listeners you're going through this journey oh with word. us I, my together brain is, must be goo already it is no, it is absolutely not it's not goo well but, but here's the thing like i will say like this like after the excitement in the morning and seeing what we're doing and going on our adventure and getting all wound up and i mean it was a great it was a great adventure and i had a great time but then when i heard gris I was like lulled. It, it like hypnotized me. The I was track. like, yeah, yeah it's the, great. the side, the whole side B. I mean, we're going to really, really get into it, but it is, it is really like hypnotic. And I just like zoned so hard. It was, I mean, in a, in a fantastic yeah. way, like I absolutely enjoyed it. And I was thinking about like, God, I could, if I played this on a loop, like as we were going to sleep, like that would be fantastic. It, it hypnotizes you. Absolutely. And it's just an interesting choice to have three editions of a 10 inch and have the two editions be semi-similar, but special packaged semi-similar. It's just something you don't see generally. Yes. There'll be a special packaging yeah. and then a version that is standard. But in this case, it's reissued with 
also special packaging. And, but they're such early adapters of special packaging, yeah, right? I mean, they yeah, are yeah. they are the forerunners. They are right at the beginning. I would of say for sure issuing things in special packaging. The double LP is one. Of, I think it's the second release. I used to see that. I believe someone has snatched that up since, but it mm-hmm. used to be on the wall at Amoeba, and I always thought to grab it and. But yeah, so it is interesting. You're right. Early special packaging with LPs, right? And CDs. Yes. So not, yes. I mean, they did tapes as Cassettes. well. but and, and engaged in cassette trading. Yeah. You know. So very, just an interesting way and in, in existing in Newcastle upon Tyne, which I always think of, of course, the alt vinyl store and mm-hmm. Ben from Jazz Finger, who they would work with alt vinyl. That's all I think of when I think yes. of Newcastle upon Tyne. Mm-hmm. And that's where they were from. So isolated in their own way in the UK in the early eighties, you know, they said they were obviously discovering the first driving gristle record just completely tore their brains in half. And, but they were also at the same time, just as into stuff like motorhead and Stockhausen and nocturnal emissions. Right. So I definitely love that idea that they took in a lot of different, sounds and then went through their own human pedals and out comes Oviet friends. And this is very unique and very, it's such its own thing. I think this would be a good time to like, just maybe use some of their words. Uh, Tara, possibly. Why don't we right. do this? Most conventional bands are performers. They try to supply something as entertainment to an audience. We weren't interested in that at all. We were interested in a lot of the power within music for creating states of mind and revealing parts of your own personality to yourself also as an avenue or a medium for accessing some of the more primitive instincts and subconscious stuff that goes on in everybody's head, but most people don't have an outlet for. I love that. And that interview is done by Ben Ponton, who is the main member of Soviet France that continues as from the beginning up to the yeah, 1980 present. Yes. In the beginning. And, this 10 inch also features Robin story who went on to do Rapoon, who is also a big main member in the early days. Yeah. A seven inch that I wasn't, I wasn't there for, it but happens. I did check it out. Yeah, it's a great seven inch. And then this also features pa- Paolo Di Paolo, who seems to have only been in a handful of Soviet friends records around this time in the eighties. And, and from, I couldn't get any info if he went on to do a lot else, but Ben and Robin were, the nucleus of Soviet France for a long time, Ben, then of course, continuing on and the, the main satellite that the world of Soviet France surrounds. And so the, the interview that we'll be referencing is his answers from 1991. So a few years before this Mm -hmm. was reissued, but this record is mentioned in the interview as far as the strange packaging, the, Sounds on this are when you really read that interview and talking about their their way they operated by recording hours and hours and only I believe they said only releasing about five percent of what's recorded. Right. Yes. Uh, And they said that making music is in itself an end to them. And like as as we've said many times to to many people, just if you're doing something, record it. Why Hit not? Record. You know, because it's one thing when you are making a film and you have to pay for the physical film. It's a different thing when you're recording digitally. Nowadays, know? right? Or you're recording on cassettes. Like you can afford a cassette. Right. Record it on a cassette. You yeah. can afford digital things. Like do that. I mean, I, I understand that it's different when you're possibly doing real to real, when you're possibly, you know, 
doing something on, on some sort of magnetic tape that is cost prohibitive. But are you really doing that? Right. You're probably not doing it. Hit Just do record. it. And if you're taking a picture of your friends or somebody else, take 50. One of them should be good. You don't need to try one. Go for it. You know, you're not charged by the pick. They can delete them later if they need to free up their memory. I'm just saying. Fully agree with you, Tara. But so the 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 operating way of recording for hours mm-hmm. and then manipulating, producing, going back in, mixing. Waiting a couple days until it's so distant that you don't remember what you actually did. And they said that they actually do that. That's a great way of operating. Mm-hmm. And it's something that. When you have a hard deadline, sometimes that's not a luxury yes. you get. However. And, and it's actually a, a way I've been operating on, on something I've been working on. I took a a break from mm-hmm. actually listening to it. Yes. And when I went back to listen to it, it did sound like someone else had made it in a good way. But, but yes, and you were working on it a lot and you were changing it every yeah. day and changing it every moment. So I think that take giving that space yes. um, for it to become something else in your mind where you're not harping on you know, the minutiae and you can kind of look at the bigger picture and see how it all fits together. And I it's think is a, a great way idea. I rarely or mm-hmm. never operate. <laughs> and so I, it's interesting that, yeah. that I tried to do that and I, and I think it's beneficial. And then to hear that that's the way yeah. they did it as well. The way that if you record that much and then you're going to go back in and, and manipulate it does feel like how this 10 inch was done. hundred percent. Immediately, we get this great short track that, again, to me, one of the biggest compliments is, boy, I wish this was longer, right? You you never want something to, you never want to say, I wish this was shorter. You only want to say, I wish it was longer. Mm -hmm. We even want more. This track left me wanting more. I could have done this one for for like a 10 minute. I love this one. This is like if... If uh, Dead Can Dance were playing a live concert like three blocks away and you're standing out on your porch at a windy night. Yeah, because it has this... uh, That's a great way of putting it because it does have this ambience and this drifting across areas Mm -hmm. that are from far away and there is almost this musicality i love that you yeah it's bent yeah i love that you said dead can dance because there is this strange musicality to it that's hard to put your finger on but because it drifts in and out and drifts in and out and then you're getting these glimpses here but then pulled away and then it's bright and then it's pulled Mm -hmm. away and it feels so far away in this great really addictive way that you just want to you want to dig into this track and dig into the world that they're creating on this track. Yeah. And I, and the seed was probably planted through the title, which is Moresca, which means Moorish song in Italian. It was, it was a 15th or 16th century song genre. Also there were popular Renaissance dances, the, the Morris dancers, like in the UK, that's a UK tradition or Morris dancers um, that would have been around at the time. So again, like thinking about that, thinking about, you know, hundreds of years ago, the the songs that people would have played and the dances, it's like listening through time. I think that's what kind of planted this in my head. Really cool. Yeah, that makes total sense that the reference fit really does fit the sounds on this. And I just really 
I felt this earthly cosmic element to it. There was a, there was an earthliness, but also a cosmic. Mm-hmm. And especially as the track went on, this is a short track. So, so we're talking in about a minute 40 that we're getting all these feelings. I, again, I, when it, when it went away, you're like, Oh, come back. Come yeah. back. And, like- <laughs> and I would say the next track Luft, this is really the most awake that I am on this, on this tenage. has that feeling of you know when you're just falling asleep yes. and you're like did I hear that right was I awake was I dreaming what's happening that absolutely that is, is the feeling of this release especially the next track and especially the b-side oh my god but, but I know exactly what you mean this is the most direct because it has this rhythm it has this industrial rhythm yeah it's rhythmic and it and it moves so maybe this is like the train you're on that's lulling you off to sleep you know like again, being this, yeah. on a train that'll that'll put me to sleep. Being yeah, in the this, back of a car that'll put def- me to sleep. This definitely has a train feel to it. But you know what? I was getting to with this. I I said this is paranoia paced. It has mm. the pace of paranoia. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like it's not full blown anxiety, but, but it's, a, thought, it's a gentle paranoia. The way that mm-hmm. it propels gave me a sense of paranoia maybe of walking around a city by myself, mm-hmm. unfamiliar, not knowing. Am I in the safe part of town? Am I not in a safe part of town? Trying to look around and see how many people are there. That's a fun game to play. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's an intense throbbing. Like it's a really nice rhythm and it's throbbing, but you have this windy field and a, a lot of movement that goes in. Then we get the whistle. The so human whistle such a strange, that meanders yes. in. Again, it is like a lonely stranger walking around and whistling in some area where there may be some level of tension and swelling. Lots of obscurity, lots of confusion. Uh, and it definitely, by the end of it, I was like, wow, I'm really contemplative right now. Like I'm, I'm actually going off into worlds in my head. This is a quote from Ben from the interview. Making music is what I like doing more than any other serious intellectual or physical activity that I'm involved in. Anything else is subsidiary and secondary to it. I'm really into the music. We're fortunate in a way in that because part of the way we produce the music is to enter a sort of altered state of consciousness without trying to sound too pretentious. We switch off all conscious sensory perceptions and we start making the music. Once we finished, we've come out of that and it's very exhausting for a start. And you always feel immediately afterwards that what we've produced is a load of rubbish. Maybe two or maybe two days later, we listen back to it because we're listening to it in a different state of consciousness. It's like listening to somebody else's music. I find myself totally addicted to it. It's the music I like listening to over and above any other kind of music. So like we were talking about earlier, that like, idea of oh, taking the time. After you finish recording, you're like, oh, that, that was crap. But it really does feel that this music is made in mm-hmm. a very altered state of consciousness, but it also feels that it's a, a, putting yourself there physically and mentally without the use of anything else, at least the yeah. way that they're saying this. And I like that. I, I like the idea that they're doing it 
physically with the music, not use, mm-hmm. using anything else. Not to, well, I mean, I don't know if they mo- did or not. They but just being didn't see in the moment. You know what I mean? Yeah, there, it wasn't quoted as saying that something else yeah. was used. But, but I think we all know how that feels when you're so invested in what you're doing. You're not distracted. Like you're actually focusing on the task at hand. You're focusing on what you're making. You're focusing on the sound. And, and sometimes just that alone can really just take you to different places in your mind and, and, and lead you places where it wouldn't otherwise had you been altered in some other way. This is a little bit more too about the recording process. About 90% of our material is generated from acoustic sound sources. We've quite a collection between us of ethnic, ethnic musical instruments, instruments that we build ourselves or objects that we use as sound sources. That's always the starting point. We set up a few mics around the place whenever we decide to make the recording. We have these boxfuls of acoustic instruments and we just improvise there on the spot. We generate about two or three hours worth of material and then post-produce it. We mix what we've got, reprocess it, and, a com- and complete a finished set of recordings, which maybe one day will get released. In a way, there's two very opposite sides to the production. We start by making very live recordings, very acoustic recordings. Then we process those into a very artificial way to produce what finally becomes the music. And that's how it really does feel. It, And mm-hmm. I love that. I love yeah. that the two, the, the opposing ways to make it, it's these acoustic, natural sounds, but then process to make it totally unnatural mm-hmm. and that this tennis feels that way this the sounds feel very unforced yes and you can imagine physical things that make them like i really i have a a soft spot i mean look i love totally electronic music like i can't like of course i do but i do love things that are made from physical sources as yeah. well and i and i think that those are the things that can give you those mental hallucinations where you're trying to picture what's making that sound. Much like when we went to listen to this record and, you know, I'm reading interviews and, and doing other things. And I, the, I knew the window was open, and, but then I saw the turntable oh, turning right, yeah. and I was like, oh man, our turntable has a squeaky wheel and I keep looking back. And then, and then Mike, you're like, that's a bird. And I'm like, how would I, I am not the type of person who's not like, Hey, that's a bird. I love the bird. I'm listening for the bird all the time. And it was a bird, but you've been put in this strange, but I headspace. forgot that I opened the window and I'm in this weird headspace and I see the turntable turning and I'm like, well, nah, I got to replace but that al- now. But also I think even the way we discovered this 10 inch, mm-hmm. all of this fits in with their process, right? We, we had this actual need to, you know, listen to something to record an episode. We then had we, a need. Then we put ourselves out. We we put ourselves in a different state. We were yes. in a, we were in one state. Scramble state. We said, no, we're putting ourselves in a different state. We're going to walk out the door yeah. and walk across the street into a different environment that we are opening ourselves to having an, having an experience and having an influence about what we are then going to come back yes. and talk about and produce into this machine. Got to not force it. And it's completely unforced because again, the record was calling to us. It was there. There's, there's not many noise records. There. I, I, the yeah. Merzbau zone seven inch, uh, we did an episode on a few months ago was one we picked up there, but it's not like there's a ton of noise records. No, like, and, I did and not ex- so we'd already had gotten them. I did not expect to no. find a noise. Record. I did find a book called noise, but it was actually about 
the history of humans making music and it looked really, really dull. Probably lame. It was, it, I read a, yeah, I was lame. I wanted it to be good, but it was not. So the, tried to force it. The, exactly. I right? did. I, I was like, oh, but when let's you, try this book. See if we can pick a page and find something. No, but when was, we oof. didn't try to force it, when we were trying to force looking at our collection and deciding what to do, it wasn't working. Yeah. When we stopped trying to force it and walked out the yeah. door, it happened. It hit. And so we're already in this new state of consciousness. And so for you listening to this record, being so into it, being like, oh my God, I can't wait to yeah. dig into more yeah, cool. of this project. This is so great. Classic project. We have a whole wealth of their discography to get into. You're already in this other state. You're hearing a bird outside, but it could also be part of maybe a, the record, a, a, yeah. a loop. Maybe, maybe, maybe it accidentally got stuck. So I love that it all fits with their process, with the process of this record. It all really was meant yeah. to be this record. Obviously maybe it, it was whoever owned it before had similar feelings about taking care of vinyl that we do. Cause this is definitely not the best kept. It's vinyl. a musty dusty vinyl, but also it, but it, it is, adds to it. It does add to it and it gave it a lot of atmosphere, but, but it, it's also in a shingle. So, well, yeah, but it, but it, there were stored points- in a gritty shingle. You don't like store like vinyl and grit and it's basically been living in grit there's points where it was i couldn't tell if it was the recording yeah, me or too the, me too in a good way right mm-hmm. it was like especially on the b-side it was like is this is the record dirty is this part of the loop is is it the needle is it all three and i think it was all three most of the time and it's a bird i loved it but yeah i really really <laughs> love this track tara and i really loved when those voices from far away came in that whistling comes in really grows really develops yeah, what a I, great track. I, I thought this track, I wrote that it made me feel contemplative and it did. I got, I got way in my head. I got way too far in my head listening to this 10 inch, really getting into it and then trying to speak to people that are out there. Maybe not standing in front of me, but you're out there and I know you're there and I want to, you know, articulate, articulate things. I want to say words, but again, I in think a way this, that makes some sort of sense. But I think this entire episode yeah. is really documenting our day's journey yeah, to. It sure has been discover this incredible tenage. Well, and- then here is the third track. And this is uh, three minutes and 47 wonderful seconds. And the t- track title is Shekinah, which means the divine presence, God's divine presence. And generally- You said it's a Hebrew word? It is a Hebrew word. And often in paintings, it's symbolized by a very bright light. Like very cool. That's the divine presence that you see as the bright light. Well, the rhythm is taken away from the from the preceding track, but then gets replaced by piles of sounds and loops and piling on top of each other and stuttering hits. This one gets real noisy and real nice. But it's such just a satisfying noise. It's not it's not like a true rolling around rock tumbling junk noise type right. of way. Yeah, it's very it is I, I was yeah. just thinking of it more as like decomposing thuds. Totally and it bonking. Is, yeah. And I do feel that there's a guitar there. I there's agree. a guitar. You think, I mean, there's string yes. sounds. There's scratchy string sounds. I agree. Uh, and then there's a scrapey, scrapey loop. Uh, yeah, really great scrape loop. And the loops 
be, almost create a sense of a steady rhythm, but then quickly it morphs and quickly something else gets mm -hmm. added onto it and you think you have handle of it, but then it, it moves away. And again, this one especially was where it was, is is the record skipping yes. is, in, in a great way. I love that. Again, we're in this such a strange headspace well, that I love where it was taking Well, me. especially on the next track, I was I was truly trying yeah. to remember, like, I know Gray's talked about it before and we we know the equipment. And I was like, what is that? Like a, a mod, like a, it, it's the type of equipment where you can modify the loop parameters as you're using it. I don't know the tech, you know like what is the term for that? But I do know that there was a very popular piece of equipment at the time that was a looper and you could modify the loop while yeah. you were using it. And, and again, would this have, would they have had that in 85? I don't know. Uh, maybe, you know, with this, <laughs> yeah, I, I felt because you like actively use it. It's like you would do it in the moment. And because of the way they operated, according to the interview, I felt that it was a lot more hand manipulation. But mm -hmm. you might be right. Again, not sure. Because but, it was one of those loops that was not the same all yeah. the time. Like it would it would be the same for a moment and then it would change and then it would change. Yeah. So, again, I was thinking like tape manipulation, maybe manipulation and editing. But then again, I could also see it be a piece of equipment where they're just you know, doing it in the yeah. moment and, and evolving the loop as it's going. Just yeah. like when it's fun to mess with echo reverb while you're doing it. So it's not the same plate yeah. that you are delivering throughout the entire track, but whatever it was, Oh boy, it was great. And this one was a little more, um, a little more dusty, a little more grimy. There was some dirt yes. rolling around. Maybe that was the record. Maybe that was the result of this, um, roofing tile. I don't know. Uh, maybe it was the hot breath that was breathing down in, in my mind uh, upon the track, but it was really, really nice. And it, and it decomposed beautifully. Yeah. And I thought it was a lovely way to end this side. Love it. Love it. Love it. We're just so in and every track so far has really been distinct, unique and different. And that is not going to change when you flip the side over. Cause you're going to get something totally different that you haven't gotten before. Wow. This title track is fantastic. <laughs> So when we are recording, Mike, I frequently end up playing just I'm not peeling back the curtain too far, but if you've ever heard us play something and there's like a repetition of a piano part or a keyboard or something, it's not looped. I just play it over and over That's again. That's true. Um, and I'm sure you can, you're like, duh, I can tell because you definitely don't have the best rhythm in the world. And that's true as well. However, there is this thing that happens when you're playing the same notes over and over and over again, you start to kind of lose it. Yeah. Like when I'm playing, like if I have to play something for five minutes and it's four notes over and over and over again, I start to kind of like hallucinate and get confused, yeah. even though it's super simple. Even if it's just two notes, I'll start losing my mind at the end of it a little bit. And this gave me that like crazy feeling like not in a stressful way. Cause that's more like a, like I legit sweat when I have to do those, but this is more of, of just kind of like letting it go and forgetting how long you've been listening to this. Like, yes. is this, it's a eight minute, 40 second track, but it, and you know, at some point I'm like, has this been going for 20 minutes? Like, sure. I don't know. Is this a lot groove? Like what is going on? And it didn't even occur to me until like four minutes in 
Because part of the the loop is, I'm assuming vocal. Maybe I'm hallucinating that too. It is. I it was only like four minutes in that I was like, oh, is he saying grease? I noticed it right away that that's the word. But also, there's these delayed mechanical voices and delayed machinery that happens in the beginning. But that bright light dark loop is gliding along the wax and everything starts melting into all sounds and so minimal in a very effective way. And it almost becomes like a clicks and cuts track, yeah. like a minimal, almost like a minimal techno track yeah. that would, you know, in maybe a decade because later, they're just, right? the loop is like being just eroded yeah. as it's playing. So at first I thought it was saying like, ease up, ease up, he's up, zup, zombie, grit. Like those are all of the sounds that I kept trying to like pinpoint, like what was being repeated over and over and over again. Uh, and then it started to me to be, cause again, it was so sparse. You get this other sparse voice that comes in and you don't know when it's going to happen. And it's so minimal and you don't know what it's saying, but I started thinking of whales and ships and rolling waves. I was feeling that too. That also could be because I'm still reading Moby Dick nearing the end, but I was definitely feeling I was out on a whaling ship. I got to find where I am in Moby Dick. Oh, I would like to do that. I felt like I was on a whaling ship. I absolutely do. Like the, the mysteries of the ocean, the isolation, you know, uh, the, the swelling of the waters that somehow are repetitive, but they're not quite perfect. It's like, do you want it? But, but again, is it, is it like, you know, water torture? Like, do you want it to be too perfect or do you want it to be a little imperfect? Which one's worse? I don't know. Right. And then there's this almost flying banshee sound that <laughs> yeah. rises and yeah. falls at the points. Swells. And maybe that's the whale. Maybe that's the, the, the mm -hmm. spout. Maybe that maybe yeah. they're get maybe I like flying banshee spurting idea. the the water or or inhaling their oxygen, holding it down there for <laughs> way longer than I can. Oh, way longer than most anyone can, Tara. Well, That's why they're definitely <laughs> longer than any human can. I'll tell you that, sir. But yeah, I just really loved this track, and it again so hypnotic and. We, you know, we love 10 inches. And again, the biggest compliment you can always have is leaves you wanting more. And boy, mm -hmm. this really left us wanting more. We're absolutely going to be digging in to a zone. You know what this reminded me of a zone that we got deeply into is a broom zone. And, broom, and, and yes. I felt, I definitely feel broom. Oh, I would like to get back in a broom well, zone. Well, yeah. And I felt that, I felt that the way we feel about this is mm -hmm. a similar way we feel about broom. Un unclassifiable, yeah. but when you hear it, you're in it and you, you're, it's got this magnetic mm -hmm. pull to it that's hard to put your finger on exactly what it is. And broom can go so many places. Soviet friends can certainly go so many places. You, it's a, a project you may not know what you're going to get when you get a release, but you trust in the project. Broom is exactly like that, mm -hmm. and I have a great feeling that when we dig deep into the Soviet friends discography, we're going to find some gems that aren't going to be anything like this ten inch, and they're not going to be like the other thing that we got super yeah. into, right? So I'm really excited to get into a a deep zone. I, I I'm really feeling that a great end of the year zone is getting into yeah, Soviet friends. And again, I, I think it's this adventure we went on today. Ten inches are just again, I love the size. I love the how it is different from a seven inch, different from an LP. The choice that's made to do a 10 inch. You could make mm -hmm. it longer to make an LP, but you don't. Well, it won't fit on the roof tile. 
Right. So what is the choice because of the packaging? Well, I don't know. Maybe they make a 12 inch roof tile. I'll have to find out. But that's such a great, again, and the choice of doing the special packaging again. Yeah. Right. It, It all just can bring up so many great thoughts and ideas and send you on different Sonic adventures like we had today. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad everything happened the way it happened. And and wouldn't it be ironic? I, I keep staring at the computer because I'm like, oh, I hope it was recording. It wouldn't that be like certainly. a weird, wouldn't that be like the absolute twist is just, we just did this for each other. Well, it would be because it's the state of mind we are in right now. But no, <laughs> it really is. Tara, it is recording. We did this not only just for ourselves to or get I just, us. Or I just say like I haven't done it yet. A big Soviet <laughs> France zone, but also to talk about Soviet friends to you, the listeners that we really appreciate and love that you guys go on the journey with us. And I'm sure there's listeners out there who are going to give us great recommendations of the next Soviet friends to check yes. out. Please do. I know it's, it's a project that has been asked for, for us to cover. And I know that there's going to be some great recommendations. I'm sure gray has some great recommendations yep. as well. I'm so sure he's shouting them out right now. Absolutely. Shoot them to us, but Hey, we're going to continue to tell you about our, Counterpoint Records and Books Adventure over on the Patreon with what else we picked up there today. Tara, I got a really cool book that I'm excited to hear about. I'm excited for you to read it. Well, I wanted to twist it up a little bit because I really like uh, Greek tragedies. I like, you know, the literature of early Rome tragedies because they're just so intense. But then I decided to flip it and go comedy. And this is, it's pretty, it's, it's, entertainment for the masses. And if you're going to do entertainment for the masses, it's going to get a little naughty and Oh boy, is it fun? Really cool. I'm excited to discuss entertainment for the masses back in, in thousands of years ago times. Yeah. Which is even better. You got them BC masses. That's not that AD mass. No, 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 different crew. Who needs those different vibe. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening to us and our adventure today. Please shoot us any recommendations for more Soviet fans for myself and Tara to check out. And we're going to go hop on the Patreon and talk about our adventures a little more. Listen to and recommend us. Yes. Soviet France. You have been listening to Noise Extra. Noise Extra is brought to you by Chondritic Sound, a home to noise artists for over 20 years, by Verdant Weapons, maker of quality contact microphones and noise devices, and by our Patreon supporters. You can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash noise extra, and your support really helps. You can find us on Instagram at noise extra, on the web at noiseextra.com, one E in those, and on Twitter at noise extra, with three A's at the end. Thank you for listening to us and to noise.